Fantastic, Jack Kirsten. How are Thanks, you today? Grant. I'm great, man. Good to be here. This is this is exciting. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Especially we're in the legendary Studio A with the legendary Neep console. I believe it's 838. 8038, yeah. 8038, yeah, yeah. Which is quite incredible in the history of it, which we'll talk about for sure. But mm-hmm. let's talk about you first, you know, because this is... This is uh, episode with you on today so i guess starting out just going all the way back where are you born and from sure yeah i'm from winona minnesota uh that's where i was born and raised cool it's a town of about thirty thousand on the mississippi river uh southeastern minnesota okay sweet and i went to school in wisconsin at uh university of wisconsin at oshkosh okay oshkosh wisconsin so so uh, with that what was the music scene growing up for you like what hmm yeah, good good question. Yeah, so the the music scene there wasn't much of a music scene in Winona, uh, but I did start. Uh, you know, I was in bands when I was like in middle school mm-hmm. and and high school, um, and I started playing in a local bar band. So Sweet, yeah. It was it was a cool way to get out and start playing music uh, and sort of learn the ropes from some some folks that were you know elders. Yeah, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, guys that are about my age now. Uh, you know, I was like 15 playing with, you know, 30 people in their like late 20s, early 30s. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. And playing bars and uh, playing like, uh, you know, blues music and covers and stuff. I was going to so, say yeah. like the music there probably yeah. was blues or, um, yeah, just blues rock. I'm assuming down in that. Totally. Area. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. yeah. We did sort of a, we did sort of a, you know, typical kind of cover band pop rock thing cool. for a little while. And then we did uh, like a blues rock thing. Sweet. Uh, so that was cool. That's yeah. super cool. But then um, talking to you and getting to know you, being at High Street, you're into punk. That's yeah. your main, would you say, favorite genre? or like? I, I don't know. I, I hesitate to say that because yeah. it's it's so, because uh, it makes it, I don't, I don't want it to seem like I don't listen to a ton of, of other course. stuff. Of course, yeah. I get but that. But yeah, I do, I do love punk. I've always loved punk music. Um, but uh, you know, I've I've gone through a lot of like phases of in course. my life with yeah, music. Yeah, that's how you so, evolve. Yeah. Um, you know, when you asked about uh, the music scene in my hometown, yeah. Since I've left, it's really flourished. Really. And the scene in in Minnesota, in the Upper Midwest, right now, there's a really really strong like jam music, bluegrass scene. Okay, cool. Uh, like uh, like roots music, bluegrass, mm-hmm. acoustic music. Definitely. Um, that's that's really big out there, and there's some fantastic bands doing that kind of so, stuff. So, well, how did you transfer? What got you into punk? Like, what was the? Do you remember the first time when you heard punk music? You're like, wow, I want to start making some of this. Yeah, I mean, when I was uh, when I was like a teenager, you know, like a young teenager, mm-hmm. hearing like Green Day, and, yeah, yeah, uh, stuff like that, you know, uh, some forty one and yeah, one eighty two, yeah, hundred you know, percent. That awesome. was that was that era was that mm-hmm. shit was huge. So that's so cool. Yeah. And then what brought you to the college you went to? And you said in Wisconsin, yeah. So mm-hmm. how did you? What made you choose that school? And then did you pursue music as your bachelor degree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I chose Oshkosh because it was one of the few, you know, few schools that had a four-year recording program. 
That's awesome. So, yeah. So I could get a bachelor's degree, which, uh, you know, uh, that was important to me. Mm -hmm. I wanted, not only did I want a, a bachelor's degree, for some reason, yeah. <laughs> but I wanted a, I wanted the full college experience more than no, anything. You know? I get that. So I went there and lived on campus, and you know had the uh, whole had the whole University yeah. of Wisconsin experience, which was that, it was super fun. Yeah, great, great time. Go cheeseheads out there. Yeah. Back, yeah, yeah, that's super cool. See, that's I didn't even realize. Uh, so what was the I guess bachelor or major called for you if it was like electronic music production or? it was uh it was music industry and recording technology that's yeah. you so know a... more colleges need to like accept this idea of like you know it's just not you know classical music jazz you know orchestral music because like at university of arizona where i attended it was just like you can like take a class in audio engineering production there's actually no full like minor or degree in it which i think that's great that you got four years of that and like mm -hmm. i'm assuming they had a studio or something where you got to like actually hands-on and learn they did i like i slept in that studio yeah. sometimes I, I was i like loved that studio yeah uh, you know it was a it was a little odd looking back on it because it compared to a lot of other programs similar programs um it's it was very underfunded it was you mm -hmm. know uh part of a uh state school music program you okay. know it was under the music program's umbrella yeah and the the administration of the music department really looked at it as like the ugly stepchild because oh, it's like oh it's like this is the the degree that like attracts like the guitar player like rocker mm. kids you yeah. know yeah and uh, the kind of stuffy music department uh, administration Those didn't elitist, love that. Yeah, like, yeah. I, so, so they bar barely gave it any money. Like it was like so underfunded, and the damn. the studio was like in pretty bad shape. But it had a great professor, and it had just enough to like really dive in and learn everything I wanted to learn. It's so. crazy to hear like you know I I understand I know that exact feeling just feeling that from the other professors and like students you know in college but it's like i'm assuming that's where they went to record the recital or something right mm -hmm. did they so it's like why are you yeah. shitting on this area but you need them to yeah. record yourself it makes no logic totally. sense yeah, yeah. it's like are you kidding me um would you say the class size was huge uh in your no major? i mean the, the music department classes were pretty small uh it was uh <laughs> this is an interesting fact. When I started as a freshman, uh, there was a ton of other kids like me doing, uh, you know, uh, doing the, the music industry recording technology degree path. Mm -hmm. And uh, most of them, you know, uh, guitar players and, you know, as a primary, you have to declare a primary instrument. Yeah. So there's a lot of us kids, probably like 30, 40. I graduated with three others. Wow. So it really whittled yeah. whittled it down and weeded out some of the folks that weren't, uh, uh, you know, it was a tough degree. It's it's tough to get a hang of the music theory, the like the singing, the solfege, mm -hmm. like yeah. all of that stuff for like for people who really weren't that interested in it, too. You know, I, myself included. But, yeah. you know, I ended up learning um, a lot about classical music and some of it I really loved and. Uh, it's kind of a weird experience, but uh, it's yeah. uh, a lot of it helped a lot, you know. It's good, especially, especially the recording classes. No, know? I assume, yeah, I bet. And it's cool that they integrated you with like other students, like focus mainly on classical. I'm assuming you got to mm -hmm. see some of those 
uh, college students because of oh, yeah, theory totally. and everything. Yeah, yeah. In theory classes, we would have the performance majors and the compo- composition majors. Oh, wow. And did, we would be mixed in with all those students, too. Did you, sure. I'm assuming, did you guys have to do recitals so like, uh, for mm-hmm. one of your classes? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I, had a, I had a senior recital. I played classical guitar. Nice. Which was, it was interesting for me going into college. Mm-hmm. Um because I was a I was a bass player. In yeah, bands. I, was I was always performing as a bassist. I had you know uh, picked around a guitar at home for mm-hmm. fun, but it was never my performing instrument. Yeah, and going to school then uh, I was you know uh, I had to choose between being a an upright bassist in college or being a classical guitarist. Yeah, uh, and both were like pretty foreign to me yeah like pretty out there so it was, a, it was a really tough learning curve just to get good enough at the classical guitar to no like definitely pass. i was like i i just skated by being like as bad as i possibly could be at classical yeah, <laughs> yeah. guitar and still graduate <laughs> yeah that's hard like especially at a, like a university level of learning like what they want you to play as a recital it's mm-hmm. it's uh it's intimidating i i get the same i first went in as you know, as pianist, and I was like, like, fuck, no, this was not it. So we, we did the guitar route, we just took, like, the basic, you know, minimal, like, requirements just to pass, you know, and then played whatever easy songs where I don't have to stretch my fingers ridiculously just yeah. to play some of these. So so did you go through a similar, like, yeah. program? Yeah, yeah, I went to a similar program. Uh, I did music, I was in the major of music, but then saw the requirements, and I was like, bro, I listen i can't i'm not doing this so i did yeah. music as a minor instead and then mm-hmm. uh it's kind of what i wish i had done yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it it made it way easier i yeah. also didn't have to see some of the snotty teachers i don't care if you watch it fuck you guys <laughs> like i if dr Fasachi, if you see this i don't care you were he was literally like uh you ever seen the movie whiplash mm-hmm. yeah like well, yeah. just kind of like okay he wasn't throwing shit at us but like he was just like his main thing was being the jazz pianist at the school. Okay. So he was just like, you know, jazz elitist. Like, jazz is everything. Everything yeah. below it is nothing. Yeah. And it's like, bro, come on. Like, with yeah, I get that. But without classical, you wouldn't have got to jazz. So it's like technical classical people. Anyways, yeah. yeah so I, I did minor in that. And then my major was like, it's like uh, arts, media, and entertainment. So like, uh, kind of like a general studies where that emphasizes on that. Okay. And then. Cool minor in music and nonprofits. So nice. it, uh, it was cool, but like with the minor in music, it was like, yeah, I learned my basic theory. Mm-hmm. And then as well as like, they had it like a studio where all the classical or jazz or orchestral kids came to record. And like our job was to learn how to set up the mic and very minimal stuff uh, yeah. to learn how to be like an audio engineer. And it's like, it was cool hanging like small group. There was like, 20 people were like i'm gonna do it and then after the second week there was only five of us because everyone's like this is too much and especially when the patch break came along everyone's like fuck this i'm not gonna learn it i don't want to remember oh, yeah. this people were just so tired and um yeah y- just jaded on yeah everything. exactly yeah. and it's like um i remember i remember my freshman uh recording classes was it was still it was like all classroom yeah like it was like the very first recording classes and I, it's so embarrassing to think back on, but it was a, it was a seven a.m. class. Yep. And I would just like sleep on my desk. Oh, oh, hundred <laughs> percent. I, I remember like... theory like that. Like, the theory class was big. There was forty of us, but yeah. like, it was like you know seven thirty a.m. I yeah. get it to like nine or whatever. It was a long class, but it was just like, 
learning the most basic thing so boring and it's yeah. i remember like i was in the back but then uh professor i think it was williams she's like she saw me she's like all right evan you're gonna sit in the front and i was like yeah. fuck me and like really focused <laughs> but at the end i it paid off because without her i wouldn't have known theory i would yeah. just like and because like when you're in the studio and they're asking like that's not tuned right i can tell them you know i've learned mm -hmm. a lot so it's like shout yeah. out to you professor williams for forcing me to sit in the front yeah. and making me feel uncomfortable when i didn't understand what's happening i'm here for it so right. yeah right i mean but that's also you know i guess from there you learned your basic theories classical guitar um mm -hmm. would you say of the small group that you were in did you like jam out with those other students or colleagues of yours uh yeah i yeah, I, I really made my musical connection with in college in the dorms, though. Uh, I just happened yeah. to be on the same floor with a cool. couple of talented musicians. And yeah. Like, we formed a band, and we had a, a band in, in college for a few years. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. That's like the story you want to hear. Like, you just, yeah. you know, right around the block, we heard music, and yeah. Yeah. So, and then afterwards... Um, graduate school or anything like that or nope uh no after college i came right out to san francisco pretty much so that was okay that was like my next question yeah. is like what drew you to san francisco and yeah was it was, high street uh, it was ultimately yeah um i uh i sent out you know hundreds of resumes probably to different studios to try to get an internship mm -hmm. And uh, ultimately, I was choosing between Hyde Street and a studio in Nashville. Cool. And uh, Nashville is a cool city, but I, I knew that if I went to Nashville, that I would end up end up working on contemporary country music. Um, yeah. Like there's there's a lot of other music happening in Nashville, but you know what this yeah. industry is like. You can't choose yeah. what you work on unless no, you're definitely. unless you're you know the the biggest thing ever. You know so. Okay. Uh, so I I chose San Francisco. I you know I always loved the uh, the idea of San Francisco. I had never been here at all. Okay, that's once. so awesome. Um, but uh, I I thought you know hey California or uh, probably end up working on country music. I yeah, like, I'll give San Francisco a shot. Sweet. So, so then who was uh, your studio manager when you came out here? Who was the head? Yeah, it was a, a guy named Josh Bonnet. Okay, cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he was uh, he managed for. Two or three years, yeah. Cool. When I first got here, sweet, yeah, something like that. That's, uh, but that's yeah. really cool to hear. Like, came out here, you know, it was this or Nashville, and like, I totally kind of understand. Like, after finishing Paramount, I was like, maybe I should go out to Nashville because it's you know, there's so much music there. It, you can maybe find some internship or gig or whatever. Mm -hmm. Here, it's very limited. You know, it's really got. It's a know. much smaller scene here. Definitely. Yeah, and yeah. it's like connections. But then shout yeah. out to Evan, man. You know, without him, he's like, go, yeah. go hit up Jack. They're always looking for interns. And then I, you know, I emailed you, and it, well, here we are now, which is awesome. Nice. But um, there's not a few. There's not a lot of studios here in San Francisco. Would you say there's only four or something? No, I mean, uh, when I started, there were there was more. Okay. Uh, there was, uh, yeah, I mean, um, there was Studio Trilogy, which okay. has closed. Um, there was. Uh, Fantasy Studios in Berkeley. Okay, uh, that was probably Hyde Street's biggest competitor. I mean, right. it's it was over in Berkeley, but still, that was still. Uh, you know um, that was that was the other like multi-room historic studio in the, in the Bay Area, um, and you know those two have closed, and 
I, I hear that Prairie Sun and Cotati is closing now too. Wow. Um, basically, uh, almost all of the historic studios have closed. The uh, the other that's still existing is um, is uh, different fur in the mission. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, those guys are cool. Love those guys. Yeah. But, that's. Uh, but they're they're about the same age as, as Hyde Street. Maybe a, a little bit. Uh, that room opened a little bit uh, earlier, actually. That that's yeah. is and is this is due to COVID. That's why they're closing, or just in general, like since home studios happen, it's just kind of. Yeah, it's been a um, for a lot of studios, a lot of especially multi-room studios like this. Um, for a lot of them, when um, streaming happened, when basically when CD sales tanked uh, mm. during the same era that Tower Music's were yeah. Tower Records were like closing everywhere, yeah. and you know Sam Goody's were shuttering and. Uh, that's yeah. when a lot of the studios started to fail too, because uh, the labels weren't raking in the dough, and they weren't signing tons of artists, and they yeah. weren't booking tons of studio time, you know. Um, and then the advent of of home studios uh, yeah. kind of added to that. Um, you know, it used to be, you know, I hear stories from guys that were around in like the '90s and you know early 2000s when all that was still happening, and. You know, you'd get sort of unknown bands that were signed uh, mm-hmm. all of a sudden and able to book, you know, uh, we're booking Studio A for three months in a row. Wow, you yeah. Uh, and, you know, those long bookings also made mm-hmm. a lot more sense back then because it was all to tape. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, it was not quite as easy to do two days and come back a couple of weeks later. No, definitely. They, it was like know. a trip. They like, they, yeah. you know, the record companies would send them wherever and they would just camp yeah. out and just make yeah. their music for that mm-hmm. month or whatever it took them. Yeah. Did it. So, yeah, I mean, it was, that was a big major shift in the industry. And I think that's what led to a lot of, a lot of studios closing. I think in more recent years, it's just, um, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm not sure specific instances, but I think certain studios, uh, in the Bay Area, might have tried to position themselves uh, at a at a higher price point and try to wait for these major label projects to mm. come through. You know, these big big name artists, and you know sometimes that's uh, kind of shooting yourself in the foot. That's a great way to have a yeah. sort of a stagnant studio that sits empty. Uh, my philosophy here has always been to like have the prices at a reasonable price point for. Bay Area artists, definitely. Uh, you know, local artists, and we can work a lot, and you know, um, you know, have this place be happening all the time. It and, keeps it afloat. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And if I have to turn down a, a major label artist that calls me up and says I want to book tomorrow, you know, that's a, a bummer. But uh, you know, that's yeah. that, I'd rather have it happening here. So. Definitely. No, I get that. <laughs> I think that's a way better instead of just waiting for the labels because you never know. You know, you mm-hmm. um, and like. Would you say it's like last minute sometimes, you know, like when major, like this weekend, yeah. like I don't say who the major artist came through. Like, yeah, you can say yeah, we had okay. Little Nas X. Okay, and, yeah, Little Nas X came. Yeah. And was it last minute or? That that one was pretty last minute, yeah. It was the day before I got the call. So yeah, Okay, and is, and is that normal, would you say, for last minute, like calls like that? For for some of the big artists, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a referral company that we work with mm-hmm. um, uh, that uh, that referred that one to us. Um, but yeah, for for a lot of that stuff, uh, I think with uh, some of the big touring artists, you know, they want studio time when they're on tour, and yeah. a lot of a lot of times that's kind of a last minute decision for the artist of saying like, oh hey, I'm going to be in San Francisco this weekend. Mm. Let's see if I can find a studio. You know, yeah, that kind of thing. Well, I think it's great, you know, um, that you know, you and you know Michael Ward, you know, have this place still up and running, and 
fantastic job and the engineers are great and like the staff and everything it's just you feel the love and support and i don't know maybe other studio places had that i don't know but it's like i think that really stands out you know of an impact and people remember their experience here so they tell people and they come back and yeah yeah it's definitely a really good energy i mean the staff here just brings it you know yeah. and uh i i can say when i when i first showed up here there was sort of an old guard and you know some really talented really intelligent people that i learned a lot from mm -hmm. um but there was definitely a bit more of a general sense of kind of uh drudgery curmudgeon yeah. you know negative vibes mm. uh not a lot of like good energy yeah and uh that's something that uh you know slowly over time kind of uh you know changing of the guards we've uh, we've got a crew here that really uh really loves yeah. what they do loves to be here yeah you know um people popping in and hanging mm. out and you know it's just kind yeah. of a, a more um a more invested sort of definitely and it's yeah. just open arms especially like mm when i like you know started here and everything it was just like open arms you were so you know you're you're a you know sweet person so it was nice you were just open arms to me and like meeting all the other engineers like you know and like other people who like i guess what would you call people who have studios here but they don't work at high street i guess just yeah i call them tenants or tenants yeah. like me yeah. you know ashana or joe or any of these yeah. people it was just like very open just like any questions go f go for it and it was yeah. just like that is like the growth we need for the younger generations that like it's okay ask your silly or dumb or just questions you don't know right now so when you do go in the studio you're prepared absolutely and i think it helps that uh, a lot of the folks here started out as interns yeah. uh, i know you know myself yeah. uh evan yeah yeah evan uh eric glauser will chasen Corey. Uh, you know uh, will just won a grammy yeah. you know yeah. he started as yeah. an intern here i guess it was got to be coming up on 10 years maybe more than 10 years yeah. now um but uh, uh scott mcdowell who mm. is a, a tenant uh, runs studio c upstairs he was an intern here way back yeah. way before me even uh so yeah i mean it's uh uh you know everybody was in that position at one point Definitely. and knows you know kind of uh what it's like to be the new person around here so, yeah yeah you gotta like pay your dues as everyone says so i yeah. get it yeah yeah you know start in the bottom really understand how to work you use analogies like a ship understand like the vessel this is the main room understand how to really properly use it professionally and not fuck anything up or break anything so yeah i get it so you gotta work your way up which is super cool yeah yeah that's the idea yeah so would i guess a question i had uh when you came here and everything did what what year did you come out here before i ask my question 2011 okay so yeah oh. pro tools was around for sure so yeah yeah. So did you say learn Pro Tools here? This is where you really got your experience or back in college they had in, Pro Tools? In college we had Pro Tools. Uh, it struck me the minute I got out here mm -hmm. and sat next to a real engineer yeah. and was like, wow, that, that person's fast. Those like, key commands. Holy shit, yeah. It was, uh, it was Nathan Winter. Was, okay. uh, you know, he taught me a ton. Uh, he was uh, one of the main engineers working, doing a lot of work here uh, when I got here. And... Uh, yeah, he was he was a whiz, quick, real quick on Pro Tools. That's uh, awesome. It's another guy by the name of Brian Deliza, mm -hmm. who's probably the fastest Pro Tools user I've ever seen. Yeah, so. it's 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 so important. <laughs> yeah. And do you have or heard about like those expert like exams, Pro Tools operator, the certifications? Mm -hmm. Do you have you taken those? I, steps I'm or? I'm instructor certified. Yeah, that's sweet. Uh, because I I taught for a while at SAE Institute. I okay. That, yeah. yeah. No, that's really cool. Okay. Yeah. So, learn 
Pro Tools, as you know, at Pyramide. Mm-hmm. deciding is it worth to get I guess I could ask you here and for mm-hmm. people who listen is it worth those certifications like I have operator and I don't know if it's worth going for the expert yeah I I, I think some of some of those pro tool certifications there's always like a, a portion of it that's sort of a feels like they're just kind of showing off their features of their product yeah it was, um, almost like in a salesy kind of way it's like that that level is like all learning about just the hardware gear instead of Okay. how to work the computer. Right, right, yeah. Um, I think that uh, it it can look good on a resume for for certain things, like if you want to teach or something, yeah. or if you want to, like, you know, um, maybe, you know, maybe certain studios would look for that. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't particularly. You no, know, I think experience matters more. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I think... Um, I think if you're if you're just wanting to learn Pro Tools, there are probably like YouTube tutorials yeah, that would be definitely. more worthwhile for you to go yeah. through than than like the Pro Tools certifications. And that's like the sense that I've been getting, you know, just being around the engineers here and then talking to uh, Mark Jeffrey, who I kind of mentioned to you, not on here, but like who came mm-hmm. on to shout out to Hither. Uh, yeah. Who and who added MIDI to Pro Tools, and he was just saying. And then Eric Cunell, I don't know if you heard of him. He is an instructor at Avid and mm-hmm. does a lot of like, he does a lot of stuff. And he came on here about and he helped. Anyways, yes, he did a lot. And basically, the point is like they're saying, get the experience, learn, understand the, you know, how to do shortcuts basically because yeah. time is shortcuts money. shortcuts are huge. Yeah. yeah, time is exactly time is money in the studio. And uh, like I said, that's what struck me. As soon as I sat down next to Nathan Winter, he was working with clients. It was boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, oh, of course, because these yeah. people are paying good yeah, money definitely. to sit, you know, yeah. to sit here. Things got to happen quick. So, so when you, um, from learning from Nathan and stuff, mm-hmm. and then when you got your chance to come in the studio, did you just over, like, how did you learn the Pro Tools shortcuts? Is it just over time? You just like, you just remembered it and just like yeah. wrote it down or something and... I can't say I, I can't point at any like moment where I particularly sat down and said I'm going to learn Pro Tools shortcuts. I think mm-hmm. I just picked them up over time. Okay, yeah, you know, um, yeah, just talking with engineers and yeah, you know, seeing what they're doing and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then no, definitely, I think mm-hmm. for those people who want to get into like this industry, I realized Pro Tools is a big thing. I was always an Ableton user and Ableton's great, but if you want to be an audio engineer. The standards is Pro Tools. Yeah, yeah. It's weird because I think these days, uh, like when I started, uh, Pro Tools was definitely cut above, you know, a, a lot of the other DAWs. Yeah. Um, and sounded better and the plugins, were, you know, everything yeah. worked easier and stuff like that. I think these days, a lot of the DAWs are really on par with yeah. Pro Tools, but it's still so ingrained into Pro Studio culture yeah. that you, if you want to work in a Pro Studio, you have to use Pro you Tools. You have to, so. yeah. I, yeah. 100%, it's just studio standards and like, yeah. I just, Pro Tools, whoever listens, if you like, if they could just update MIDI to like Ableton, that's all I ask, because Ableton's MIDI is easy, it's mm-hmm. simple, I can get the idea of Pro Tools MIDI, I'm yeah. like, have to know the shortcuts just to open and open another MIDI screen, it's yeah. just a whole shit show. If you could put, own. yeah, if you could put Pro Tools into like a creation mode or yes, something, that would be where, so... it, where it acts a little bit more like Ableton, that yeah, would be... That really would cool. Yeah, that would 100% hear that Pro Tools avid, if you listen, <laughs> yeah. please do. Um, but that's cool, and then... How long would you say being an intern it took you to become studio manager? 
Uh, let's see. I, I may get the timeline wrong on that, but I think it was somewhere around 2014. Okay. So about three years. No, maybe it was, maybe it was later than that. Might have been 15 or 16. I feel like it was longer than three years. Because I, I engineered for a number of years before yeah. I before I became manager. So it must have been 2015, 2016. Okay. Like yep. And then what does it... I'll come back to the engineer. Mm-hmm. I have an engineer question. But like sure. just that studio manager, what does it take to be a studio manager? I think people don't really have a concept of what the actual work you have to do yeah. to keep a place running. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, like a lot of things in the music industry, it's a lot less glamorous than people yeah. imagine. You know, mm-hmm. sure, I'm... I'm uh, you know, shaking hands with, you know, a famous artist here and there and, you know, and witnessing amazing music happening here every day. But it's um, it's working with air conditioning repair people. Today, like what we were doing today, yeah. yeah. And, it's, uh, and it's fixing the soda machine. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, dealing with uh, parking hassles and, yeah. you know, um, talking, you know, dealing with uh, city organizations and, uh, you know, all sorts of different different things outside of the world of music yeah, definitely. Uh, that just keep this building running and keep this, this uh, place in good standing in the, in this, uh, you know, in the greater context of San Francisco. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we just put on our, uh, our anniversary concert. Yeah. That was that, huge. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, that was a whole learning experience for me. That was, you know, booking a venue, staffing all of the positions for it and, you know, booking artists and, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, all the work huge said, endeavor yeah. yeah shout out to the interns who did that stuff seriously yeah, yeah you were uh yeah you were a huge help and and everybody else who, yeah. who helped out it was uh we had a great crew we pulled it off yeah well that it was great and then just like i don't think people realize like yeah that like without the interns or the sound people or the even the engineers who all helped it's mm-hmm. like none of this would be possible and then mm-hmm. getting that gear back to the place of high street holy oh man shit. that was some that, work man that was a late night like yeah, i know i know <laughs> i was like forget the party i'm going yeah. to bed it was 4 yeah. a.m i was like forget I this know. but it but the but it it's rewarding because you you meet people who are like-minded and same in the had the same interests and uh it's this place is sort of a cultural yeah. uh hub for yeah. the music scene in, in sf and, definitely yeah. Which is yeah. which is great, and I guess for someone who wants to get into an internship, I didn't realize like it can be hard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I had the luck of knowing Evan, and then mm-hmm. having that right that perfect Good timing. timing. Yeah, yeah, it was. Just, <laughs> it, it really is just timing connection. I realized, and mm-hmm. it was just perfect. Nico was going, and then I came in, and yeah. So like for someone who wants to get in, is it just would you say just keep on trying to apply and keep poking the bear? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, being persistent yeah. Uh, is actually helpful. Um, I feel like when I was trying, I was worried about being annoying. Yeah, and, that's, I get that. Um, and sometimes being annoying works, you know. Yeah. And and what, like, what's the what's the downside of being? No, annoying? exactly. <laughs> someone someone out there thinks you're annoying. Okay, who cares? Well, yeah, you know? <laughs> who cares? I mean, in reality, it just shows you like how bad you want it. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. take uh, yeah. the other intro works with Maddox, like. Mm-hmm. He he! I remember just saying he called, emailed, he yeah. emailed all the engineers yeah. just to get, which is awesome. And now he's here, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which is cool. Yeah. I think you gotta be like you said, persistence matters. Yeah. And then yeah. I think like a question that I, I like I've talked to some of the engineers here, but for someone who's just like getting in the game and like wants to be an intern and gets the internship, like becoming an engineer, like I 
trying to avoid that, light that's, here. That's but you know, again about timing. Timing. Uh, yeah, it, it's you know, it takes some luck. You know, it's about being prepared, but also you know having good good luck with timing. Uh, yeah. Uh, I I got really lucky in terms of my ability to move up here. Uh, like I said, there was just kind of a natural um, changing the guards when I showed up. Um, some of those folks from the kind of heyday of the recording yeah. industry were just kind of jaded and sort of looking for alternate careers. Yeah. And I came along right at that time where, they were leaving, yeah. yeah, right when they were leaving and, uh, there was a lot of, you know, work available. Yeah. Um, it's also, uh, you know, it, it's definitely, definitely being prepared, but it's also, you know, uh, a part, you know, it's not a full-time gig. Um, that's yeah. some, something to know about, you know, most studios in the U S like, uh, don't have full-time positions for yeah. engineers. Uh, engineers are typically like a freelance job. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a job where it, it it's gig by gig. You're that, taking nights, you're taking weekends, you know, that was the biggest thing I think eye opening when I came here mm-hmm. and just learning over time, just, it's like, part-time i don't know if maybe that's the right word but like sure you have other avenues to make income this should they can't be your main one unless yeah i mean it can we've had we've had people that uh we've had engineers that have really leaned into it and definitely gotten full-time sweet you know level amount of work through mm-hmm. this place but it's you know even if you're doing a ton of work like that there's still going to be like i had a great month last month this one's a little lean because there's not as many projects coming yeah. in uh, or or somebody else's project booked Hyde Street or, yeah. you know, but, um, uh, you know, you can always book another studio, of course. That's but, what I realized. Book but, another studio or try to build one yeah. with whatever the funds you can get mm-hmm. alone. Yeah. I mean, guys like uh, Will and Eric and David, you know, their engineering is their main source of income. Okay. Um, but... Uh, but it's uh, it helps to have something to supplement no, for definitely. times when when all of a sudden you're looking at your calendar and you're like, wow, I don't have a lot coming up next month. You know? Yeah, and then you see you rent can, coming up and you're like, yeah. you got to pay the bills. You can somehow. do some pick up some live sound gigs. Yeah, and, yeah. that's that's the biggest, and that's uh, what Evan does. You know, he does mm-hmm. the the band shell and I think works for corporation stuff, and then does this as well on the you know I shouldn't say side, but also another gig. So yeah, yeah. it's uh. It's interesting, but David and Will, do they have their own studios at their place? If they can't book time here, they can do it at their place or anything? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, Eric as well. They've got little, like, kind of mixed setups at home and, cool. or in their practice spaces or something, you know. Sweet. Um, I think most of the time people, people definitely prefer to work here. Yeah, of course. You know, but it's, uh, yeah, it's one of those things if you can, I think it starts by, like, going home and you're like oh i forgot to bounce this one thing or like yeah. oh, I, I just want to do some quick editing mm-hmm. and then you start putting together like a, a little a little sort of studio yeah know? yeah so, definitely 100 yeah. percent, which is cool um lost track with the second question i was going to have because i really got into thinking about the <laughs> internship and studio time but i guess talking about like working here and everything and internships do you remember that day when you got the chance to run the session like for uh for the audio engineer or was it just you had some studio time and you came in here uh gosh that's a great question i don't really recall i don't really know if i recall my first session oh yeah i do i do 
it was uh, it was for Michael Ward, the studio owner. Wow. Yeah, okay, he that's wanted, awesome. He wanted to someone to record uh, his percussionist Fernando uh, doing uh, playing congas. Sweet. Uh, okay. Just a, a conga overdub. And uh, I did that up in Studio D. That was when we were running Studio D here as well. So sweet. Um, I I spent a lot of hours recording in that room. I love love that. Is studio. that still available that, today? That is uh, where Joe Bigale has at least out and does his production. Okay, something. that's an amazing yeah. studio. I saw. Yeah, to see it. yeah, that rock wall. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. it's a badass studio. Yeah, percent, which is yeah. great. So, do you remember like the feeling of doing it? Did you prepare ahead of time? Were you nervous? Like that? I, I remember being nervous. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it, it went pretty well. Um, yeah, I, I remember having a little trouble sending headphone mixes. Like, it took me a minute to figure that yeah. out. But, uh, but no, it went well, and, uh, yeah, it was kind of off off to the races from there, I guess. Sweet, but, yeah. yeah. There were definitely rough sessions uh, in the beginning. Definitely. Uh, you know, sort of one of the, one of the things that, uh, that can happen is you know the problematic clients you know uh mm. it's not that we get very many of them yeah uh, but there are people that are just difficult personalities yeah uh that uh you know an engineer will say hey you know i i'm a little little busy i don't know that i want to work with this person anymore give it to the new guy yeah so, okay, you know, yeah. so you get kind of put through the ringer okay you learn sometimes. from it yeah you know i can remember being in the studio uh with a a client who is brought in a musician and is just like screaming, berating them over the talkback mic. Oh my god! And just sitting there like so awkward. And yeah, like, that did, would be yeah. like such a toxic environment. It's just so weird. And then you learn that's when the new engineer. Oh, you should yeah. work with this person. That yeah. they're the newest <laughs> thing in the game. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, thanks, man. Then you meet them. Yeah. Like, fuck you, goddamn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but it also you know going through the ringer like that. Yeah. Kind of taught taught me the. Uh, interpersonal skills to be able to like yeah. know when to interject and know when to just you know be quiet and just do your job yeah and client. and yeah and just uh you know just kind of uh how to ease the tension in the room and things like that so, yeah and i know. think that's stepping in a few sessions just realizing and maybe you had experience as we're talking is that um there's times where you that you kind of see that what their vision is and like you can help but they're like no nah, they want to do it their way and it's like Okay, I but I've been in the studio, so I know mm -hmm. how to do it, though. Mm -hmm. So it's like, but they're like, let's do it this way instead. Yeah, I mean, uh, typically these days, people, most people are producing their own projects unless mm -hmm. there's a big budget behind their, their project, yeah. you know. So a lot of the artists we get here, they're, they're producing their own project, calling the shots themselves, you know. So, yeah, you get those situations where you're like... You know, it's always a collaboration, yeah. and I feel like most people are really, most uh, artists are really open to input from experienced folks here, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but there are always those situations where you're like, I think this should be done differently, you know, what do you think about this? And yeah. they're like, no, do it the way. Yeah. I want it. That sounds a lot worse. <laughs> and you're like, okay, okay I guess. You're you know? paying me. Yeah. It's like you can't get attached because this is you're just you, you yeah. can't you can't have every project be your baby. Yeah. Because yeah. it's because it's not yours. Yeah. Yes. You that, have to you have to understand, yeah, whose music it is. And, and yeah. that's the hard part because you get invested and you put all these hours mm -hmm. in and it's mm -hmm. but then you realize they're just paying you. You're just the guy who's just driving the car for them or whatever, so they can do their thing. So yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's uh that's something I've learned for sure here. Like, when to talk and when to just shut up and just do what they say. Or sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
which is incredible, which yeah. is a good life lesson. I mean, there's so many, you know, it, it helps so, so much to be good with people in the yeah, studio. definitely. Uh, that's one of the main things I look for when, when booking, uh, you know, engineers on sessions yeah. is, uh, you know, how does an engineer handle it when the drummer comes back into the control room and, you know, it's day three of tracking and the drums aren't, you know, quite lining up to the click and the guitar player's pissed off mm. and, you know, they've got a history and the guitar player turns to you and says, don't you think that was terrible or something like that? Yeah, you know? and then they want like, your, what do you do? you're yeah. like, uh, <laughs> well, I think we could maybe, I think it was, yeah, you have to balance it out. Yeah, you've got to, yeah, you've got to figure out, you know. Uh, you got to do a lot of equations in your head, you yeah. Know, uh, it, of of how, what what to do that's best for the project. You know how to how yeah. to see this through and make it happen. And in those are those situations where like a producer would typically be that person. Mm. And uh, because there's so many projects without a, a producer in the room yeah. these days, engineers are much more in that gray area of, yeah. of in that position of having to like, you know. Um, basically having to make decisions on how the how to get the best products possible yeah. um you know the, the 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 definition of engineer has really blew my mind what it really because you're doing a lot of tasks than what i just thought it was you're really like mm -hmm. you are the producer um you're the guy who's setting up you're the you're the counselor now too just add it <laughs> sure. on it, oh yeah you're doing there's a lot you have to learn as well as understand do the patch bay so you gotta know your pro tools key commands it's like it's. I think someone needs to put that into Google. Change the definition of what an engineer, audio engineer, is because yeah. it's a hefty task. What you have to do. It is. Yeah. 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 It's so it's, there's so much uh, gray area between. And now today too, the term producer gets thrown around so loosely. Yeah. You know, producer can mean, uh, you know, what a producer has traditionally meant someone that's. Uh, in the studio working yeah. with an artist making creative decisions, Definitely. but it can also just mean someone who made the beat. Yeah, you no, know, to, that was uh, the to biggest, a pop you know, or hip hop track or something. You know? Definitely back. Like I didn't realize like or another term I guess from music producers like someone who goes out and hires the people to go play their their parts. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's something that you know I'll have clients that reach out to us here uh, that say, "Hey, I'm a singer songwriter. I've got these great songs. I play acoustic guitar and I sing and." I want uh, I want drums and bass and keys and you know some horns or something, and we'll uh, you know we'll take on that role of saying like hey here's a list of great studio musicians and you know play kind of a quasi producer role um, you know usually without you know uh, if it's you know if it's quick enough you know yeah. without charging any extra uh, uh, you know and hook them up with uh, the kind of situation that can where they can make a great record yeah you know because that it's uh, which is yeah traditionally something a producer yeah. Would do. yeah yeah so really understanding that term and realizing like how it's evolved and like because i felt like well, at least when i started it was just like playing the guitars how i started and stuff in piano and then mm -hmm. making beats which when i saw you know native instruments i was like what is this and then realizing a beat maker and a producer are two different things you just make the beat and then you get someone else to mix and master it sure. producers doing all of this which is like audio engineering now yeah. yep and it's it gets confusing because the term producer is is applies to yeah. beat makers and and backing you know somebody who makes backing tracks and yeah. stuff now too so definitely which uh yeah which is fine you just got to kind of suss out what you know what uh which producer is what you know <laughs> yeah no no 100% 100% and then do you think 
the like assistants have like they they don't exist anymore because we have interns now like so once you have the engineer and then you have the assistant who helps you know there's there's definitely uh you know it works differently in different markets uh in in la uh a lot more projects are tied to a label mm -hmm. and bring their own engineers mm -hmm. so at a studio uh at a studio like that there would be more projects coming in with their own engineer and the assistant would be the person who's familiar with the studio definitely so the assistant would be the the house person definitely that would kind of show the the outside engineer how to use the patch bay and route headphones yeah. and stuff like that you know definitely. some of those things that some of those things that vary from studio to studio that the engineer might not know yeah. um so yeah but here um here the interns definitely act as as assistants in mm. a lot of ways definitely you yeah know, they're uh um you know, the interns are able to a lot of times be in in on the session and helping set up and you know basically assist with anything that's needed yeah yeah i've got to experience that with uh josh garcia which mm -hmm. it was a really great experience of just like you know being treated at that level and just like all right can you get me this cable this cable this cable set it all up and then yeah. i'm gonna go do the control room and it was just like and it just like kind of hit me for a second, like yeah. I'm doing like what I see in documentaries, yeah. living the dream in my in my mind. And it was just yeah. like a really cool experience, just setting up for that drummer to record. And uh, that's really like I, for people who want to get into it, to really understand, you gotta do an internship. Like you can learn online and do the most, what you can learn from YouTube. But mm -hmm. being with Josh and him explaining, asking why this mic or why this, while well, he has some time to explain, yeah, it like. It stuck with me, and I was like, "That's when you really hands-on. You can learn." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. It's uh, experience is the best, by far, the best way to learn. You know, I uh, I really enjoyed my my like I said my recording professor in college. Yeah. And, and those classes, and I uh, like I said, I basically lived in that studio. Yeah, I spent no, so much time in there. Yeah, I do. But I learned more in my first four months interning here than I did in all four years at at school. Like that's, really, truly. Yeah. That honestly, was, uh, I'm so glad you said that because that's how I felt. Uh, U of A didn't teach me like what I, it was more like what you were saying. Like, I wanted to go to college to have that experience. Also, wanted that safety net of the paper. Um, but I really didn't really learn what I needed to know until I went to Pure Mind mm -hmm. over there in the mission, or so much to say. And then having the internship here, and then doing the band show because like I got the hands-on experience I really need to learn and. I expanded my vocabulary of the terms you guys reuse. Like the biggest one I just remember was like someone said, "Go strike it," and I was like, "What the fuck is oh, yeah. strike?" And then like, <laughs> yeah. uh, and they're I like, sometimes forget strike. like what terms are are yeah. you know are particular to a studio like uh, like gobo. Yeah, you know? no, learn learn. <laughs> I I no, I learned that one here the yeah. gobo because they don't have that up here in mind. I was like, okay, what yeah. the fuck is this thing? And then. Uh, who I think it was Alex, and uh, he's like, "That's a gobo," and I was like, yeah. "What the fuck's a gobo?" Yeah. And I like that night, I like did my research on it because I wanted to fully understand your <laughs> fair. I'm not even sure where that name comes from. I don't know. I get the I could I understand the go part. Yeah, the movie, but I don't know what go, the bow. Go between or something, but why bow then? Yeah. <laughs> and did you guys customize add the wheels? Cause I realized there's really no you can't buy like actual wheeling baffles go, like yeah, that. Wheeling yeah. gobos. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are all hand built. Yeah, it's because yeah, yeah mm -hmm. it's it's hard those to are, find a real like built go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, 
probably most studios do it that way. I don't think I don't know that anybody manufactures yeah, I don't them because they're, they're so giant, they're, you know, giant wood things. They're ridiculous like, yeah. how big they yeah. are, but it makes it a lot easier to move it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, which is great. And then I guess you made a point about like you learned a lot here. Would you say when going back to college, did you guys have I don't know because I know you said under budget. I don't know if you had like the Neve console or anything, but like what was the mixer you guys yeah. worked on and. We had a we had a Sony uh, like Sony MCI console okay. there. Cool. Uh, it was cool. It was a nice console. It was modular. Uh, you know, I got to be there when we did some you know simple repairs to yeah. it, and so it was really nice to learn on an analog board. You know, yeah. And and, uh, and I was also I think like the last year or maybe close to the last year that they ever did the tape portion of Whoa. our curriculum okay yeah so i got to learn the tape machine and uh you know it, it i feel like it's uh cool to learn you know what influences you know you know uh learning a console and learning a tape machine uh make you look at a daw completely differently you look oh, at pro tools yeah. and you're like oh i get why that's laid out and uh, the terminology and why this all works like it does no and, it really does and then yeah. understanding like the plugins like mm -hmm. sound toys some of their plugins and stuff and how they model some of the analog gear and like yeah why this why what does really this not and then coming here and actually seeing the knob and feeling it it's like it's like the connections connect and I, I realize those people who design and stuff maybe come from the analog world so when mm -hmm. they're making it so yeah working on a console mind-blowing for sure and it's it it makes you wonder like and it makes you like i guess appreciate should say wonder like how easy it is you know like plugins first analog gear because the amount of work you probably you guys probably have to go and fix this stuff is not easy Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the maintenance on a on a vintage console like this, uh, we're super fortunate to have uh, Kevin Inc. and Dave Dick, the techs yeah. that, that work here. Um, I've got to schedule them for some some some, uh, yeah. some odds and ends. Definitely. Um, that reminds me, but uh, yeah, those guys are fantastic. I mean, to have experienced techs uh, that you can call to to fix gear is is a must for a pro studio. Definitely. You know, uh, especially one with as much gear as we have here. It's uh, it's clutch. Yeah, if <laughs> if they could only see the side over here with yeah. all like <laughs> yeah. LA two A tower of gear. <laughs> yeah, Fairchild like the Neves, uh, the students behind there, everyone, and mm -hmm. it's uh, it's amazing. But for people who aren't familiar with this Neve console, what I guess makes it so unique and special i don't think mm -hmm. they make them anymore i'm assuming these this particular one they, d they don't make uh no they don't make models like this anymore uh this is an 8038 it's uh an early 70s console and it's uh with 1081 preamps so uh the most famous neve preamp is the 1073 model yep. uh, which is very similar but has one less uh eq point mm -hmm. on those uh this uh yeah so this is um you know, it's it comes down to the transformers that they used in here, and the you know everything from the the uh, little amplifiers. Yeah. Uh, you know, all the gain stages kind of have you know a lot of unique components, and it's uh, it's a thing that you know you can buy recreations of 1081 channel strips these yeah. days. There's uh, you know probably a, at least a half dozen companies making 1073 channel strips. Mm -hmm. Um, but they're all using uh, remanufactured, try to try to clone the transformers and, you know, try to clone the all the circuitry and stuff. It's uh, and you can't 
they can't quite get all the yeah. way there, you know. Yeah. Uh, so to have a, a full original of one of these, yeah. it's, it's pretty unique. It's just one of those sought-after sounds that has Definitely. been... Uh, you know, people call it warm, you know, they'll yeah. use terms like that. Definitely. Um, but uh, it's for engineers that have worked on Neve consoles. It's like uh, the difference between driving, uh, you know, Fiat and driving a Cadillac. Yeah. It's like, no. oh, I, I, I want to work on the the nice machine. Yeah, you know? definitely. It, it's, <laughs> it's a it's a well-built machine. Definitely. And it's, uh, it's one of kind of probably what helps High Street to like bring customers like this known gear that you guys have that people want to work with it to get that sound warm whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it uh 60 70 era of music mm -hmm. uh you guys have it for sure and, and plugins try to i know ua tries to get there and it's, it seems close it's just mm -hmm. they don't have tubes it's it's you know it's analog it's you know so uh they can get to the percentage of getting so close is like 95 but if you want that 100 percent, you just need the real gear yeah yeah totally there. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like you said, you mentioned tubes like the LA-2A yeah. compressor or the Fairchild or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, when you have an emulation, I feel like they've gotten a lot better these days. Uh, you know, the Waves ones used to be, you know, when I first started, the Waves ones were as good as it got. Yeah. And yeah. The, the gain staging on those were, was really pretty terrible. Mm. You know, you would drive them you know, the plug-in, yeah. and you would get nothing close to a tube saturation sound. No, yeah, think, definitely. You know? uh, so they've gotten a lot better in that regard, but they're still not quite there. I feel like that's the area that they, that I always feel like they're lacking in, is the, the sound of the gain staging and getting mm -hmm. that right and how how a piece of gear sounds when it's when it's driven versus clean and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Well, with tubes, isn't it just light shooting? like or something so when the sound goes it's a light that's hitting one another to create that warmth saturation sound or am i thinking of something else uh well the tube is doing the amplification okay, essentially yeah. you know that's the main mm -hmm. thing doing the amplification um yeah i don't know i don't know that i know much more technically than that yeah i don't know where i'm learning uh, you know, about how how the actual tube works i'm sure i learned it in school back yeah then. <laughs> it's i mean that's a lot of information just yeah. to but there is there is like a, when you're dealing with a compressor like the LA two A, that's an optical compressor. Yeah. So there is a light component with okay, with a compressor is, like yeah. that. Yeah. Which is great. And it's uh just to curious about your similar fair it's not actual fair child, it's uh what is that This company? is an EAR uh, piece of gear that I'm looking at here. It's an esoteric audio research uh, six sixty. So amazing, yeah. So a recreation of a Fairchild. Um, really well built thing. Uh, they sold for an insane amount of money when those were made new. They were like, I think like 10 or 12 grand for a wow. one, one channel compressor. Damn. Insane. And how many, because I know the Fairchild, just because I got in, obsessed with it, it's like it has 21 bulbs or whatever tubes in mm -hmm. it. Does that have the same idea of 21? That has a ton of, of tubes. I'm not sure if it's ex, if it's the yeah. exact number. Uh, if it's, a, I don't think it is like a point by point perfect yeah. replica of no, a fair of child Every, yeah. i think he was trying to do sort of his own thing uh but it's very very fair child like yeah and yeah. It, would you say like with that piece of gear analog mm -hmm. gear it works when you want to because that was the one thing a lot of people who've told me engineers in the past about like fair child's like it works when it wants to work it decides <laughs> yeah. when it wants to come on and i was that's like funny. i was like oh that's that's not fun when you pay like 40 or 30 yeah. grand for a gear like that um, yeah. No, this one's been very reliable. Yeah, 
We haven't. Uh, I think we've done. Uh, there's been a little bit of tech work we've had to do on it since I've been here, but well, nothing major. Well, then that's the so, move, folks. Get yeah. that instead of real Fairchild because yeah. it, it will only listen when it wants to do its own I, thing. I, I can believe that about you know uh, a piece of gear as complicated as a Fairchild compressor yeah. from you know from the decades that those were actually made. Yeah, in. like the '50s or something. I'm sure it's a big headache to maintain them. You know, we've got. We've got a, you know, it, it, like the console, you know, very complicated old piece of gear. It takes constant maintenance. You know? Yeah, no, so. definitely. And it's great that you guys have a workshop here with, yeah. like we said, you know, te uh, mechanic techs who can come in here and fix it when you mm -hmm. need. Just uh, fill, fill it in uh, an order and they'll come in when they need to. So yeah. that's great. Yeah. Is there a time whenever the Neve console has to get fixed and where it kind of screwed up business for you guys? Or is it pretty reliable, this piece of for the machine uh yeah i mean michael ward will tell you would tell you about times like uh, a little bit before my time here where uh when the neve was in much worse shape wow uh that it kind of ruined some sessions or people were unhappy with it and things Man. like that um I, I don't know that i recall any time since I've been here, that somebody's like this board's not using, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, certainly not since we refurbed it. Um, that was uh, that was right around the time I started managing. Was uh, wow. was when we uh, when Kevin really went through and replaced all of the switches. Uh, you know, every EQ switch has been replaced under these you know these cool. knobs here, uh, and all of these switches have been replaced. Uh, all of the aux switches, mm. uh, you know. So the thing got a lot of a lot of new guts. Um, you know, all of the amplifiers and transformers yeah. and the stuff that creates the tone, that's all original, which is mm. nice. Yeah. But the components that degrade, like the switches, you know, instead of having Definitely. crackly, uh, you know, bad contacts and things mm -hmm. like that, uh, those uh, those all got replaced. And this so. was during when Gary was here, when he was like... No, Gary was here uh, installing a console in like the 90s. And, okay, yeah, that's uh, when... Okay. Yeah. And before this, mm -hmm. what, what console did they have before this Neve? They had... I'm not exactly sure. I know in at some point in this room was a Trident B range. Um, there were a number of consoles in here. When when Michael Ward started uh, Hyde Street with his partners in the 80s, uh, yeah. uh, you know, the technology was advancing pretty quickly back Definitely. then. So I think they had... I think they had at least two or three consoles in here before the Neve got here. And, and you know the Neve's arrival and its its uh, legacy and you know its uh, standing in recording history. It was just like you know, yeah. Once this came in here, it's like okay, no 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 more need to upgrade. Yeah ever, yeah, you know? we got everything. It's <laughs> yeah. Just maintenance. Just ma now. yeah, maintain. Which yeah. Is, so then going coming here to High Street after finishing college, did would you say college somewhat prepared you for High Street for the internship? Like did they? like explain how analog works and everything yeah and yeah i mean that that base level knowledge of of things was definitely a nice starting point yeah um but there's also like i i tell some of the interns that uh start here that don't even have that you know occasionally i'll get someone that's you know really green to you know to audio mm -hmm. um you know barely plugged in a microphone before kind yeah. of thing and I tell them like, yeah, it's a it's a steeper learning curve, but you can you can also learn all that here. You yeah, know? Um, you know, we even have uh, you know basic recording books on our bookshelf out there. Yeah, you know, you can, which is great. You know, learn about the difference between dynamic mics and condensers and ribbons mm -hmm. and you know all that kind of stuff that you would usually get in a classroom setting. Yeah. yeah, and it's great. Like the engineers and yourself are just 
are there and don't mind for us to ask these questions because we're intrigued about mm -hmm. it. So appreciative of that, of course. Yeah. It's funny, so much of this discussion has been about the interns. They, I think just because they, you know, without them, this place wouldn't run. Yeah. Know? But it, uh, I find it uh, myself talking about it like it sounds like a like a pitch for more interns. Yeah, no, um, the, please, please don't yeah, send no, me more. <laughs> yeah, please don't yeah. apply to everyone. Apply to be an intern here. No, I didn't. So I didn't mean to talk about it. I just kind of just no. I, I know, I know. I I, I felt, found myself doing it too. But uh, just to be clear, like we're they're, not we're not looking for they're more they're interns. Not, they're not hired. I'm sorry. I'm saying yes, you need an internship, but High Tree is sadly is not taking any more. So. Out of the other places that are in the Bay, go yeah. find an interesting shit. But that was something <laughs> uh, Eric Kuna, who I kind of mentioned in the past about, like, if you want to get into this type of audio engineering, you should go down to L.A. or Nashville. They were saying mm -hmm. this is more game audio movies, quick mm -hmm. post-production kind of place san francisco those uh yeah those kind of avenues too are great money makers i mean yeah. that's that's where studios are actually looking for engineers occasionally mm. you know uh you're running a music studio i you know i could uh, i've got engineers with credits coming to me saying hey i need work you know with uh with great credits and you know long history and great you know reviews and all of that mm -hmm. and uh and i'm like i've got i've got a bunch of great engineers you know and they're they've been putting in years here you know Definitely. and it's, uh there's there's too many music people interested in music essentially and uh but there's actually some opportunity in some of those other fields if you want yeah. to do voiceover or game audio or, or things like that you know sound for films and yeah stuff like that Definitely, it's a big mm -hmm. thing. I realize it's maybe not the ideal dream of what some people want to do, but listen, mm -hmm. you're still in the industry. You're still learning about audio signal flow and stuff. So, mm -hmm. like, take what you got. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know some people who have gone down that path and been really happy with it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, one of my friends or colleagues from Pyramind is doing a, like assistant gig at Lucas Ranch. He got oh, awesome. in and he was just like Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. And like it wasn't his main goal. Like he wanted to do this, but it's like, listen, he's not complaining. He, mm -hmm. You're working there. You got it in. Of course, internship unpaid. You know, assistant. Mm -hmm. But like, you can learn a lot, and it's a way to maybe in the future get the job there. You know, yeah. when they need something. Because that's what I realized. Once you have like a in at a place mm -hmm. and you're there for a while. And hearing all the stories how everyone here was an internship and you just yeah. wait for your timing, yeah. it can happen. You yeah, gotta... especially in one of those more niche fields of audio like yeah. that. It's yeah. Once you're once you're in there, that's a a community, you know. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. Everyone like that's the biggest thing here is high streets, like I feel the community. And I think you said that, not to mention interns again. I swear <laughs> this is the last time I'll mention them, but like when I guess Maddox and I helped you guys, you said something like point like you're a part of the community because you did all the work and like I felt that because like the hard work you put in helping you know create this event and just see what it takes mm -hmm. and it felt rewarding. That was the reward of itself, like being a part of something and mm -hmm. understanding what it really takes and what the really like the late hours and trying to pack stuff and audio signal flows and yeah it makes you appreciate what i'm doing so yeah 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 i mean it, there's so many times here that uh that i feel like we are all like collectively really proud of you know the yeah. work we do you know definitely and it's, and it's definitely a a collective effort and a, and a shared uh credit situation you know yeah yeah which is great to talk about more about everyone gets to know about jack here you talked about playing the bass Mm -hmm. And would you say right now currently you're in a band or 
Uh, I would say currently I currently I'm working on a couple projects. Cool. But I the 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 two bands that I've had here in San Francisco are sort of on hiatus. Okay. Uh, so I was in a sort of a Americana uh, a folk Americana group. Sweet. Um, and a punk band. Sweet. And uh, the uh, Americana group, the singer went to law school and. Okay, that's a uh, whole beginning his career as a yeah. lawyer. Yeah. So he's uh, doesn't have a ton of time with that, and uh, so I don't know if that's gonna come back together mm. and the uh the punk band we are sort of starting a new thing mm-hmm. yeah sort of uh mixing it up we put out a couple records Sweet. but uh kind of going down a new new avenue yeah so. would you ever do a solo thing like just like you playing bass and stuff like thundercat I, or something like that you know i've thought about it yeah i you know i've thought about it uh i really like collaborating you no, know course, i yeah. i uh I haven't been writing songs in many years, uh, and I feel like I'm not I'm not super inspired to like write my own music, mm. and I'm also surrounded by a bunch of people that I find like really inspiring themselves. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so one of the new things I started was just the other day. Me and me and Will here are working on a dub project. Yeah, I remember you talking about. Yeah. So uh, I'm super stoked about that. You know, and I I, I really like. You know, being a part of a collaborative effort like yeah. that is more more my my headspace these days. No, um, definitely. Yeah, so I, I was playing bass, and we were taking these drums that uh, Will worked on. He played some some synth, uh, and we just messed with them. And you know that that uh, dub reggae style. Uh, I don't know how f- familiar you are with no, that stuff. No, definitely for sure. Because Stefan at the band shows, that's his whole life. Is nice. You know, so I get reggaeton. So I get that stuff. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's super fun to work on in the studio because so much of it is is using a recording studio creatively. Yeah, is is such a big part of that sound. So we we're and with all yeah. this gear you have, you can mm-hmm. really you know let your imagination creation try to experiment with sounds. You know, try mm-hmm. to get something new. Yeah, we can. We were throwing uh, drums to the the Roland. Yeah, I was going to say that would have been something that's I would. A yeah. Classic dub piece. Yeah, that's like a Lee Scratch Perry classic. Yeah, definitely. And uh, uh, one of the things we did is we threw uh, threw the drums to this uh, Eventide harmonizer, the 949. Sweet. Um, it sounded awesome. That's it's, it's so cool. I, I haven't messed around with that as much as I I would have liked to have in the past. And uh, well, now you can, yeah, yeah. In the future, you book some time, and there you go, which yeah. is great. That's cool uh, that you're trying new stuff. And for some reason, I feel like I can relate to like not creating music anymore, like like maybe it's somewhat similar to you is that all i did was produce sell beats whatever or make music like indie rock or something but now being here and everything it's just so focused on understanding mixing like Mm -hmm. being an engineer understanding what it takes and like that creative process of trying to write stuff i'm like i don't have time to think about that or my scales i just want to understand how to like EQ this buzzing sound. Like what is the way to get rid of this annoying sound, understand how to problematic like fix something. And yeah. like, I don't know, maybe that's just like everyone goes through different stages and everything. So like maybe you could relate, say you, you're kind of like taking a break of producing and just focusing on something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. It's uh, it's such a different headspace being in in the creative headspace and being in the engineer headspace. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really admirable when I see people that can, 
that can switch back and forth like yeah. in the same session even oh 100 percent um because it because it is so different you know i even find when i get in here to work on something even if i'm just like uh you know occasionally i'll get hired to just like play session bass or something mm-hmm. uh you know and i'll come in uh and i find it hard to transition out of the the studio manager headspace yeah you know, i'll come in and i'll start like cleaning up something or yeah like, no yeah <laughs> or like, i get uh, that it's or like oh this uh you know this piece of gear needs to be fixed or you know, something yeah you know, like, it catches your eyes like i want to yeah, keep this place yeah. clean so I, I get it. it's hard to switch the cap so yeah, it's yeah. props to those who can do it mm-hmm. um which yeah it, it blows it fascinates me how you know people can do it but yeah lately we're just in this uh, zone of just understanding especially just with the analog gear here which is kind of still overwhelming at first, but I realized you just got to break it down slowly to understand each part. Um, be more comfortable and show reliability to show you guys, like, mm-hmm. I can do it and stuff, and for other interns, too. But, um, yeah, this this is... It's been great to understand this stuff, and would you say, for someone who wants to, like... What is the one advice you would give to someone who, like, wants to, like, do their best to show the audio engineer that they can do it, but, like, if that makes sense. Like, someone, someone starting out in, yeah, in the industry? Yeah, like, like, they, 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 like, they want to show confidence and, like, they, they know what they're doing, but, like, sometimes that little person in their head are like, uh, you're going to mm-hmm. fuck it up, man. Uh, well, the fake it till you make it advice really, really works uh, in the in the music wow, industry. Wow, okay, really? Like. Yeah, it really, it really is good advice. I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, I, I've, told uh people that are going out for like live sound gigs i'm like just like uh you know if they ask you if you know like you know dante or something just like just say yes and then learn it really quick before the yeah yeah that's what i realized you don't don't want to limit yourself uh just in in your career entirely you know um but um uh yeah i mean in terms of uh uh, in terms of the studio world, you know, just keeping an open mind and uh, as to like different paths, like kind of going back to the talking about like different avenues of the audio industry yeah. and stuff. Uh, this uh, this journey, uh, you know, as a career journey, can take you so many different directions Definitely. and introduce you to so many different people. Um, just trying to be open to those opportunities and not necessarily narrowly focused on. Uh, you know, uh, some people come in and I want to be a beat maker yeah. or I want to work with rock bands or mm-hmm. something. And, uh, you know, having a broader focus, uh, you know, you might find that you really like doing other things. You yeah, know? definitely. You know, a, a genre that you didn't think you would like or, you know, a, a different aspect of audio that you didn't think you would like, like, uh, you know, like uh, audiobooks or yeah. something like that. Yeah. No, definitely. So. I mean, you guys inspired me to really dive into more about punk, like the Dead Kennedys and in East Bay when I realized who he was. And I was like, yeah. and Maddox and you guys showing me some, I was like, wow, punk is, I'm digging it. It's totally yeah. this rebellion kind of phase, which I, I'm more into just like Crosby, Steel, Nash, Young, kind of just chill yeah. folk, you know, or Brian Jones Massacre well, type of music. There's, uh, there's a long history of like, you know, jammy stuff and yeah. punk stuff here. So it's yeah, a, yeah, it's a good mix of that. I feel no, like no, here. no. It's, yeah. a, it, it's, it's been great. Yeah. So like learning. What, here. what are you, what are some of your favorite? Uh, do you have favorite records that uh, utilize the, the sitar but aren't like sitar records or? Yeah. So, um, if you're not looking at Ravi Shankar or any of that, like mm-hmm. Brian Jones Massacre actually used the sitar, which caught my All attention. Right. I um. I'm blanking on uh i think it it was on 
which one was it was it on i think it was rich girl or something one of the like like he he just had it and i was like wow this was cool and um other people who've used actually well beatles did a little Be- sitar, Beatles right? on revolver um mm-hmm. but they hired like a classical trained musicians okay and then i think it how about donovan you ever listen to Donovan's stuff? He's got some sitar. Oh, I haven't. I have mm-hmm. to check that out. Okay, yeah. So, and then, oh, well, then uh, Sergio Mendez, if you heard of him, mm-hmm. yeah, he used sitar. Okay, uh, cool. Which was, that was the first time that, like, in, I mean, the first, I learned it from George Harrison. That's how I heard about the sitar and seeing that, that iconic video of him sitting next to Ravi Shankar playing that yeah, old video. Yeah, yeah. So that's when I saw it. But, like, yeah, yeah Bossa Nova actually with the sitar works great because that high fast percussion as they're playing oh, I bet. the sitar loves it's just it's you know one string that you're just moving up the uh neck and then sometimes bending trying to catch up and uh tabla players mm-hmm. like that's what it is just trying to follow the tabla players so yeah. you're playing that 1632 beat note and just going insanely fast hmm. um which is like being here is another reason why i'm in san francisco yeah pure mine in that but uh Berkeley and then the school in San Rafael uh I'm blanking on the name mm-hmm. but like that school there's a school up there to learn sitar oh there is okay. yeah it's like very well known it's been there from the 60s and then they have a sitar store in Berkeley called Musician Mall and um met some of the players and it's just like old hippies you know what I mean yeah. white dudes who just been a part of that scene and it's really it's really made me want to stay and learn because it's it's a great in the Hare Krishna temple over there and yeah. uh, just a different culture. And I bet not, that's an awesome scene. Yeah, it, it's a great scene and it's just like understanding like because as a theory person, you know, learning Western theory, you know, mm-hmm. it's the scales how like sharps are sharps, flats are flats. Eastern theory, you just smash them together. Sharps and flats are all together. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Are there also uh, are there quarter tones in, on sitar, or is it de- kind of depend on what you're playing? It depends on like the style because okay. there's different styles of playing the sitar. Okay. Um, really, it's like you know the sympathetic strings are the mm-hmm. semitones of like like uh, what key you're playing in. So. Um, okay. Yeah. So that those are like the drone. Like yeah. A, exactly. Like a like a the, bagpipes. Or yeah. Or so like when that. so when you hit the note on top of the so mm-hmm. main string and then the sympathetic. Yep. It resonates. It hits. And, like, I, mm-hmm. there's times where I had to, like, do a performance with some tabla players in, a, like, a community where I just did, like, moving the sitar, traveling, didn't realize the pegs moved, so it turned out tunes when I played it, just the resonance were oh, just no. not there. And it was, <laughs> everyone looked at me, and I was like, oh, man, I just, <laughs> I just... And it takes forever to tune each one yeah. Um, because it's a peg and you mm-hmm. put chalk on it and then you put it in mm-hmm. and you just barely move it. Mm-hmm. Because if you move it too much, you'll go up like a few... You're really touchy. Yeah, you know, a few octaves or something yeah. ridiculous for notes. And it's like, it's very, it's a tedious process. Yeah. And we I'm had just... a sitar here for a record. I can't remember which one, but uh, somebody hired a sitar really to come in and play on their yeah yeah well that's why i, I want to like once i get uh used to studio time i want to come in here and record and something That'd be fun. And, yeah i uh, get some tabla players or even get the Hari krishna folks and just like do a re-recording or cover some songs and just have them in there and have a moment of just like like i don't know if you saw the uh documentary of get back by the beatles uh, i don't think i did actually well in there in the video like you see Hari mm-hmm. krishna people on the side over there and they're just chilling with harrison mm-hmm. i just want to have a moment like in the studio Hari krishna people are here but we're actually recording them and yeah. they're doing the chant and just like 
create an era of music that I appreciate. Just yeah. because so much so many people have just been in this room. It's like it's kind of crazy, especially sitting in these chairs. It's like well, holy shit. Yeah. Um I mean, have any idols of yours come into the studio that you're just like, "Wow, I'm I'm here where whoever has been here." Uh meeting David Crosby was a big highlight. God, that was damn, really cool. That's yeah. okay, so with him I'm assuming his wife was here or something, yep, and yep. there was a, I think I saw the photo a bigger dude a little bit. Who was uh, yeah, Steve Silverman. He's a fantastic guy. Shout out to Steve. Sweet, yeah, uh, yeah. He's a uh, he's a great uh, music historian and uh, and writer. He's like a genius in multiple aspects. Wow, but, amazing! Yeah. I remember you were saying when he came, he asked about the the echo room or the yeah Crosby uh, David Crosby asked me about our echo chamber right away yeah. when we walked in. Uh, uh, that's I was I was really flattered that he remembered that. Yeah, uh, but I guess it makes sense. He spent you know they spent so much time here. Those definitely. Guys. Uh, you know we're talking about those days when you know like I mentioned you would book the studio for months and months and and there was a real scene here back in the the early seventies late sixties. So. Yeah, I didn't realize I knew like I knew the scene was here, but I thought he mm-hmm. was down you know in SoCal Laurel Canyons. You know I thought that was mm-hmm. his scene, but I guess they were all going back and forth. Yeah, I think I think that's that's accurate. That it was like very, it was a very connected thing. You know? Everyone knew everyone. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. like just seeing like for people who do come to High Street to book some time and stuff, you'll see the amazing photos of like you like with uh, Garcia, Crosby, and I forget the third person gentleman next to him. Yeah, Phil Lesh. Yeah, Phil. Uh, yeah. is in that photo. Yeah, and it was just like yeah. holy shit. And yeah. like I know exactly where that is in the room. It's like. And the wood is all the same, so it's like it's been here since they've been here, and it's mm-hmm. and Wally Studio, yeah, all that stuff is, it's just incredible. Yeah, yeah, which is amazing. But um, yeah, I think uh, so far, I guess the only question I have for you is what, what are your goals for this year or in twenty twenty three, and that you hope can happen? Like, what are Jack's goals that he's planning on working on and doing? Yeah, I think just uh, continuing to try to elevate the the uh, visibility of the studio, and you know, one of the one of the things I've uh, done since I've started managing here is is to really try to uh, you know lean into the history and get some recognition for that because I I love it. You know, I I really respect the history and all the things that have been done Definitely. here. Uh, so that's you know that kind of led to us getting our legacy business status. And, um, uh, you know, and a lot of the kind of uh, media coverage we've got has been focused on that. Um, and, uh, you know, so continuing to try to, you know, shine a light on that and, uh, you know, keep this place booked and, and yeah. rocking every day like it has been for, you know, 40 years, 60 years. Yeah, like definitely. Yeah. Well, you've done Almost like 60. you've done like an amazing job, Jack. Like you can like like and I'm just saying that I think everyone else could say just like how you keep everything running and like you know truly again bringing back community like it's it's all love and just helping and knowledge and growing one another and uh the studios always and like i mean i bet like you putting on the anniversary helped like that i know that helped probably media but like that's mm-hmm. not easy so like just yeah. to give you credit like the work you do like you say it's behind the scenes it's like at least i could say and i think everyone else like appreciate the hard work you do here because oh, like thanks, this place wouldn't exist for sure without you and you know, of course, Michael Ward and mm-hmm. 
all the engineers. So yeah, thank and you the so interns. Much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interns <laughs> are back, man. You know, interns Bringing are it all great. around, all yeah, full, full all, circle, all the way around. So yeah, thank you for coming on the Grantastic Jack. For, I had a grandtastic time. Yeah, thank you, man. I love that. <laughs> for those out there, thank you for listening. Um, main point here: get an internship. Not here at High Street Studios. I am so sorry about that. <laughs> we we kind of like you know built this like how cool it is, but now you can't. But try somewhere else, okay? And then, but come here to record if you want to pay some money. Hundred percent, we're here for that. Oh so, yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, you guys. <laughs> thank you for high. Uh, thank you, High Street. Thank you, Jack Kurtzman, and have a lovely day. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>